<laughs> all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. And we're missing our third wheel again. Yeah. Oh, well. Fell sorry. off. Fell off. <laughs> Any case. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another hour here. I think we have a pretty fun uh, episode in front of us. Um, our topic tonight is going to be uh, black-eyed kids uh, or children, depending on how you've heard it, heard it before, also known yeah. uh, abbreviated as B-E-K, and um, Skinwalker Ranch. That's right. Uh, so some interesting topics there. Uh, we do got our normal shout-outs, our restaurant review, and our, is it Brulotic? Brulotic? Bruchlade. is our is the uh, <laughs> Charlotte. Yeah, and you, uh, from Port Charlotte. Yes, yeah, uh, ten years. You went big on this one. Uh, so that is our uh, our scotch for this evening. Um, oh, I do want to say a couple uh, notes up front here. Um, some housekeeping notes. Uh, we did change our release day to Saturday, so I'm just going to just say it releases on Saturday now, so you can watch it Saturday. Uh, usually, hopefully, starting in the mornings. Um, and then, sorry we didn't give you guys a whole lot of notice for that. I do apologize. <laughs> um, we had been talking about it, but I think we forgot to mention it when we had Brian here as a third guest and uh, to give you guys all a heads up on that. And um, is there any other housekeeping notes that we need to do real quick? I think that's the big one. Scotch review. The Bruchladi Port Charlotte Ken. It's a heavily peated Isla single malt scotch made at the Bruchladi Distillery. Um, and a fun fact, they're known for a couple of uh, great spirits, uh, including their Octomore range, their uh, Port Charlotte here, their ready, regular Bruchladi, and then one of my favorite uh, non-scotch alcohols, the Botanist Gin. Which is a very good gin, by the way. It's delicious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Stay tuned for Gin Hour next. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Gin Hour next. After we've done this hey, And then Wine Hour. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> All right. So with this, one of the, uh, you know, interesting treats here, uh, they do a, a standard metal tin as opposed to the cardboard tin, uh, nice and firm lid on there, but it's a really a nice presentation in this beautiful green bottle. You know, what that green bottle kind of reminds me of now that you told me about the botanist, uh, gin, yeah. right? Is that um, that green bottle kind of reminds me of like the Tanqueray bottles of like how they're a dark uh -huh. green and stuff. I wonder if that has anything to do with it because like, they make a gin. But I'm, doesn't that come in a clear bottle? Uh, the botanist does come in a clear bottle, um, but it okay. might, the, the green might have been chosen for botanical purposes. Okay. Nice. So anything uh, that you, uh, as you open it up and pour, is there anything you want to say about it? Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I have not tried this particular Port Charlotte 10. Um, I've tried other scotches from the Brucolati range and um, have enjoyed them. Usually pretty well-bodied scotches, um, but this one with the peat uh, has been mentioned uh, similar possibly to Lagavulin. And uh, in our Big Ten, which yeah. I know those are both um, scotches that we like. So as you're pouring here, um, 
what I really got out of like doing some research on this here is not a whole lot of information except for the fact that they wanted this this particular bottle to be a Isla scotch, like a total Isla, like pure Isla scotch. So everything they done, they bottled it, distilled it, um, the barley, everything comes from Isla. And so this is supposed to be like a pure Isla scotch. I, like everywhere I read, that was very that was made very prominent in the in the stuff that I read. It was like it's the pure prominent pure Isla. Pure Isla. <laughs> Um, the other thing I've read here is that, uh, because it is, uh, heavily peated, it's, uh, supposedly, and I, I really don't know, like, I'm not really, like, I'm not a, uh, a chemist or anything like that. I have no idea what this means, but apparently it's 40 parts per million, uh, peated. So whatever right. that is, I so hopefully that means that it's well peated, uh, cause it says it's heavily peated, but 40 parts per million. Uh, it is, um. It does uh, go through, um, I guess, age in three different oaks. It's uh, first time fill American oak whiskey cask, second time or second fill American oak, and then second filled French wine Ooh. casks. So that is uh, also pretty, uh, um, pretty interesting there. And also another thing that they try to point out here that I've read is that they wanted to make sure that this is a scotch made by the people and not like some software program telling them like how to make the perfect scotch. Nice. So um, that's a little bit of information I did capture on there. We also um, did mention earlier when we were looking it up, um, it, it's on the southwestern tip of the remote Herbdian island oh yeah that's right southwestern yeah we did say that and and as you mentioned this is not a you know calculated this wasn't designed by a computer and i I imagine that more and more alcohol is they're trying to find the perfect recipe for that but this is well done by people and it's at a staggering 50 percent alcohol (laughs) oh it's 50 percent 50 percent buddy okay i did not know i did not realize that was 50 percent okay i did not look at that when i was at the store um, Might feel this one. <laughs> it's <laughs> some of the other things I, I read here about this particular uh, bottle here in the in the uh, distillery is that they are very big about um, a, about the wild and about uh, the area that they are from. So they 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 mention a lot, and they actually have a section on their website about the Tawar. Mm-hmm. And normally, it's kind of weird because normally when I do research on scotches. Most of the distilleries don't really talk a whole lot about the Tawar. Uh, however, when I was doing wine buying and wine selling and stuff like that, and writing reviews about wines in in uh, in my um, in my weekly uh, um, newsletters, um, I would always I usually would talk about the Tawar of a you know certain wineries and stuff like that, and it does make a big difference. Um, I guess I never really thought about it with scotches. Uh, until I read about it here on this website, but they, yeah, that's something that they're really big about. They're really big about where they grow their um, their barley, and as I mentioned to you on their website, it tells you like what temperature it is over there currently, and, yeah. and how fast <laughs> the wind is going, and what direction it's going in. Kind of fun. Yeah, so I think that's kind of neat about their website. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, and uh, we'll do our fast forward thing. Do I take our tasting notes and uh, come back and share with all of you? All right. Cheers. Cheers.
All right. So for me, with the color, a very light gold, uh, like a honey color, um, very clear, super clear, super light. Uh, the nose is, so it's very, and you know, we talked about this because for us, it was a very interesting scotch in the sense of the nose is super delicate. So it starts off really mild. Uh, same thing with uh, the palate, um, but for the nose, a little bit of burnt orange. Like when you get a slice of or a piece of burnt orange in the top of your drink and you can smell that on the scotch, just like you could with your uh, any other mixed drink. Uh, the beginning of the flavor is very again it's very mild and the longer it's sitting here the more it's very creamy uh, a cream start uh, that transcends into a bold finish and this is the first place that i would consider it heavily peated or um, anything even resembling ardbeg or a lagavulin is right at the end and and the finish is everlasting uh with the creamy peat not so much the smoke to me uh the creamy peat and i get a hint of ginger okay Is that your review? That's my review. Okay, so I know you mentioned our uh, our big ten and Lagavulin sixteen. I'm not sure if we mentioned that earlier or not, but in one of the reviews or one of the things that we read, it did say something like, "If you like Lagavulin sixteen or our big ten, then you should like this bottle." And I don't think they're incorrect in this assumption here on uh, whatever site that that I read that on. Um, so for me, I agree with you. The uh, color is very light. I would say it's uh, a very light uh, honey color. Mm -hmm. The one thing I did notice in here is like there seems to be like a little bit of particulates in there or something like uh, that you see floating around. And I wasn't really sure if that was just me or if it was in there. But I think you also confirmed during our, our tasting time that you saw that as well. I think it's the 50 parts per million, Pete. <laughs> and uh, the uh, so when... So when I first uh, went to go uh, look at the bouquet, right? Um, and obviously, I, I'm kind of very particular. Like, I don't like making, like, sniffing noises when I'm on, on, on the show. But uh, when, I, when I was looking, uh, when I was smelling the, uh, the bouquet to this particular uh, scotch, um, I really had to get my nose all the way into the glass as far as I possibly could because it really was so mild mm -hmm. of, a, uh, of a bouquet that at first it was really hard for me to pick anything up. And so I did have to do our whole helicopter thing for a little bit. I had to, uh, to you know, like really put my nose in there and really try to concentrate on and trying to pick up the aromas that you get from the bouquet. Um, for me, uh, I think this is kind of similar to what you got. You said orange, burnt orange. Um, the way I had smelled it or the way it came out to me was uh, fresh, it's kind of like a like a fresh uh, type of uh, scent. It's not like overbearing or anything right. like that. So it was like a fresh, light citrus uh, tone to it, uh, followed by like a mild saline or maritime note. So if you can imagine like a little bit of like uh, maybe like lemon or orange, some kind of citrus that's very light, very, very mild with a little bit of like the seaside, but very mild tea side, you know, not like 
not something really bold like you're right there like in a fishing area or anything like that but it's just uh very mild and it's just like really light and refreshing uh that's that's the bouquet for me um when i go to taste it um it's very light bodied to me um and uh the right the front palette the mid palette um they are light um the, even though i'm saying that they're light uh they do have a lot of complexity to it um so it's not like weak or anything like that it's just like it doesn't seem to carry like a whole lot of body to it but it does come pounding at the end it's just like yeah it, it just uh hi how are you i'm here and then, like after like you know like they walk into the they walk into it's like walking into a party no one notices you you have a couple of drinks nobody notices you and at the end of the party you're the like the set the star attraction taking off your clothes strip dancing and all that kind of crap and that's how it comes it finishes it finishes pretty bold i think in my opinion and so like the beginning to me uh, is like it's like uh, I get kind of like a little bit of graham cracker, a little bit of vanilla. I can see where you're talking about with a little bit of the cream, and then I get some herbal zest in it. But then that finish, right? That finish, I get. Uh, it, you definitely get that peat. You get that kind of like wet oak maritime smell uh, taste. Um, so like if you're just like hanging out by like I don't know like by the ocean or by a lake, and there's been like some like wet oak or wet wood that's been hanging out in the water for a really long time you picked it up and smelled it it'd be almost like that's what you're tasting and it's pretty bold in it and the finish is very long and enjoyable and i think at the finish that's where you get that log wool in 16 or the Arbeg 10 uh uh reference that the uh other that other site was talking about so yeah to me it's basically like you come in like a lamb into the party you're not very noticeable. You're hanging out in the party for a couple of drinks. You're not noticeable. Then all of a sudden, you're just the party animal, star of the attraction, strip dancing on the table type of stuff. I said a party too, not the party. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's how I would kind of go with this one here. I, I do like it. I think it's very enjoyable. Um, definitely, uh, I'll probably have something a little bit. I just I still got a little bit more here to drink. I'm telling you, um, the, the more... It sits with me. The more the creamy French oak comes out, and I'm starting to actually get that. Um, I wouldn't call it a grape flavor. I think that's wrong. But the French wine cask, I think, is really starting to come out in in the end. And I agree with you. I love your excitement and the way you showed. You know what? Like ah, I'm here. Look at me. Because at the the finish is like that. You feel the fifty percent alcohol, um, but it's not overbearingly hot you just feel it and it's uh, almost soothing man it's like hey i got a cold let's go have some poor charlatan <laughs> uh you know it wouldn't be a bad it wouldn't be a bad scotch to make a hot toddy with <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was a girl <laughs> <laughs> so over, overall i'll give it two thumbs up uh, i think it's a i would highly recommend this one if you like um mm -hmm. Especially if you like peat, but if you're not like overly excited about peat, but you do like some peat, um, the nose, the uh, front mid palates aren't going to overwhelm you with the peat, but it's the finish that's where that's where it's going to be at for you. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I don't like. What do you? Any final words on this one? No, I think it's enjoyable. I may come back right at the end and try to revisit it. Um, 
as because the flavors continue to develop as it's warming and sitting so uh for me though already uh also two thumbs up enjoying it it'd be you know a couple of things that i think are true to me is how presentation is important to me oh and, yeah the, bottle's the bottle awesome, is handsome uh, it comes in a nice metal talking about tin. the bottle real quick i'm yeah. sorry the back of the bottle yeah I love how they have that uh, the, mm-hmm. the lettering there um, into the glass. Yeah. That's a sweet bottle. It is. It's a great bottle. So the presentation is a win. Um, the flavor, I, unless you know the scotch that you're going to be gifting, this would make a great gift if you know in general someone likes a well-balanced scotch. I think that this is a great choice. It's time for our shout-outs. Any shout-outs for you this week? Yeah, uh, I don't know if any of them will watch this. Hopefully not. Sometimes, hopefully yes, others. Depends on whether or not I'm misbehaving. Uh, But uh, the last week I had, uh, I would say, 50% of my team at my place of employment out sick with COVID. Now, the reason for that is not that they weren't able to move. It's because once you have a symptom, you're supposed to get tested and then to protect others, you're supposed to take 10 days off. So I understand that. But because of that, uh, it really left me in a bad spot. But um, the uh, the rest of my store team, my peers all kicked in and really supported me. So this shout out is to everyone who jumped in, uh, to my ETL peers in particular, who jumped in and helped me. We finished the week green with two of our key metrics that are very dear and important to me because they're all about guest service. And that's a big thing uh, for, for me is to deliver that great guest service. So really thank you to each and every one of you. Um, you know, whether no matter what level for those of you that helped out so that each day I could go home and not that I wasn't nonstop running for 10 hours a day. Um, You should see some of the numbers. I should share them with you later. It's crazy how much I picked, if you will. Um, But uh, you guys made me feel like we still won. And I really appreciate that. That's awesome. That's good to hear that your team uh, came together for that. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, uh, actually, this week, I'm going to return the favor to you and say thank you for being a great co-host and uh, being understanding. Uh, This past week, I had some uh, issues pop up with uh, technology. to the uh, West Main Tap House. That's right. Rio, right? Yes. Is that, did I get the name right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I thought, you know, right where it's at. <laughs> so many different directions. I don't know which way you're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> right where it's located, there's actually like three or four restaurants in the same one building. It kind of makes me wonder if it's like maybe all under one management or if it really is like three or four different restaurants. Um, I thought that when you walked in, I love how, like, uh, I actually love the decor of the place. I think it looked really nice. I thought it looked kind of more modern mm-hmm, and, uh, sure. and sleek. And um, if you can call it, like, a restaurant sleek, I guess. Um, and it's just kind of like more of a uppity uh, sports bar, if you will. 
Uh, and it has all micro brews from Colorado in there. There's not one major brew that you'll find there. So no Coors, no Buds, no Michelob's. It's all micro brews. And in fact, not even like a whole lot of like the big micro brews in Colorado in there mm. either. I, I didn't really see like New Belgium. I think there might have been one Odell's. And no Breckenridge. I didn't see Breckenridge in there. No. And I didn't see, I, I think. It was 51 beers on tap, right? 51 beers, and they're all from, like, these small microbrews in Colorado. Like, Exciting ones, too. Yeah, so I got one that's called, was it Sad Panda? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has, like, some weird name, too, that goes along with it, like, the brewery <laughs> names, like, Dragon, Blood, whatever, Sad Panda. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that one. <laughs> and then I had this other one called uh, Putin taking his shirt off, fighting with dragons type of thing i'm not sure what it's called the shirtless putin the shirtless putin <laughs> fighting something or other uh but yeah the, uh <laughs> those i think were, it was i think it was hunting dragons hunting dragons <laughs> <laughs> probably should like i probably well, i could probably look up the names i'm not gonna do it but they have some creative names they were they were good beers i, I had three i had three pints there the one i didn't like was like the blackberry one it was a little bit too fruity and sweet for me uh, I did have the, uh, I asked the lady what would be a better option, like the meatball sandwich or the hamburger. And I probably should have gotten the meatball sandwich because you could get a hamburger anywhere. And really the hamburger there, um, I, I feel like I could have gotten anywhere. I got the same kind of hamburger. <laughs> and what I would say is like the prices not weren't necessarily bad, but their prices on their burgers, I felt like they were very proud of their burgers. <laughs> yeah, I think. I, I figured I think they probably thought more about the burgers and what the really burgers were, and so you paid more for that thought process. Uh, it was like seventeen or eighteen dollars for the burger, and I'm like it wasn't no seventeen or eighteen dollar burger. But I will say this: I did go back again this today because we went a couple days ago. I did go back again today and got the meal that you got, and that was fabulous. And that's probably what I should have gotten the first time. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm not going to say oh, what man. it was, but I, I'm just telling you, like, that meal was the way to go. And the other thing I got to mention, too, I, like, sorry, I have to say this about, sorry, uh, uh, West Maine, but whatever was in that burger, I'm not sure if it was a burger, <laughs> not sure if it was one of the beers or whatever, but I swear to God I had, like, food poisoning the next day because the next day, I couldn't even go. I couldn't even work for the first half of the day because uh, I had things coming out almost like every orifice of my body. Yeah, so don't go with the burger. <laughs> so I don't recommend the burger, but it did taste good. It did taste well. Uh, I will say though, what you got does taste really well, and I haven't really felt anything bad about it. About well, that that's, there's your win. So what I had as uh, so a couple things to note about this evening. We I get off of work late, um, seven o'clock. I drive home. It was snowing that night, and then of course, along with driving home and being that the weather was inclement, there's snow. I get stuck behind one of those walls of plows. They're like doing nothing <laughs> on the highway except keeping people from going over thirty. 
30 to 35 miles per hour. So I got home really late. I didn't get home until I want to say it was like eight. Oh, yeah, so we didn't even go to the restaurant that yeah. I recommended. It yeah, we were originally, it was almost, it was 7.45. And the original restaurant we were going to go to closed at 8.30. So uh, redirected where we went because of my untimely arrival. Um, as we did get in there, though, uh, it's snowing and I'm hungry, um, but I want something salty. And I don't know if it's because of the snow or the, the beer. I had an orange cream uh, to start with. It was delicious. And uh, so I went with the green chili cheese fries. And what I can say is, man, this plate platter it's not even a plate it's a platter of fries i feel like it's a whole bag of french fries <laughs> just smothered with uh, green chili and some cheese and some guacamole and some other uh, little toppings there amazing it was delicious it was absolutely satiating it was too much food for one person i eat a lot and i felt like afterwards i probably should not have finished <laughs> so i think uh, when i went today i went during happy hour Cause I knew you get mm -hmm. home late. Uh, you get here later mm -hmm. than, uh, uh, so I was like, all right, I'll go there. I get off at three thirty, whatever. So I went there at like three thirty. It's half off for that same dish, <laughs> and I think it's a little bit smaller. I don't think it was quite as big as the one that you got. It's still pretty good size. I probably should not have eaten all of it, <laughs> but it was definitely good. I think yeah, that was the right call. And the hamburger was the wrong call. So half price. Did that make it like six dollars? Yeah, something that's like that. crazy. Like six, seven dollars. Because even twelve dollars for the regular, it's not really considered a meal. There, it was an appetizer, but it's what looked good to me. Dude, um, it's huge. It you is can huge. Eat whole, <laughs> you, you can eat it as a whole meal. You really could. It's it's a good meal. So I, uh, even though I had like a bad second day experience, I still recommend the place. I still think it's a great, uh, great. The food tastes great. Yeah. Uh, I think it's first date worthy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, you mentioned the environment. I thought the, the environment was fun. It was modern. It was clean. Felt clean. Yeah, it felt clean. <laughs> and uh, it, it was inviting, uh, very trendy, if you will. So with the 51 beers on tap against one wall, uh, windows along two of the walls of the building, um, great environment. Uh, it was fun. The service was good. And I think the service could have been a little bit better only because our waitress forgot about us, <laughs> literally. She's probably, I think she's hitting on her man. Manager, but. <laughs> but you know we get it everyone's looking for a raise so well he was but anyway <laughs> <laughs> they both were yeah with that with that um once we got our food it was good um the other thing not to go without mention was the dessert you ordered Oh, yeah, I forgot about the dessert. <laughs> the dessert was really good. It's huge, though. Yeah, again, like this massive dish. So you want to Yeah, so I'm a really big fan of carrot cakes, and this was a gluten-free carrot cake. Uh, not that I really care about gluten-free stuff, but it was uh, – it had. I think the reason why I like carrot cakes, uh, carrot cakes is because I like cinnamon. And it had great flavor, like the cream cheese topping to it, the cinnamon flavor inside the carrot cake. It was moist. It was huge. It was like for is like fourteen dollars for like a slice of cake, which I think is a little bit outrageous. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, if you're going to share it with somebody, it, it's definitely worth. I think it's worth having. Like I couldn't eat it all by myself, so we so I gave half of it to uh, Jesse and. Um, I'm not disappointed by it at all. I think it was a. I think it was well worth it. 
uh, your your Dazzlenite carrot cake. Uh, you know, it was fun. It was massive. I loved the little carrot dried chip oh, crisps yeah, that were along yeah. the top. Um, yeah. Good flavor. I as well I love a good carrot cake, and I think I got that from my father. He always loved a good carrot cake, and this was a good carrot cake. Yeah, it was. It was a great carrot mm-hmm. cake. Yep. All right. So once again, I think I think overall. Even though with the uh, bad next day experience, I'll still give it like an eight. <laughs> I think the I do agree. The uh, once the waitress caught on that she kind of forgot about us, she was like pretty much always there, uh, you know, checking up on us and everything like that. So I think the wait service was good. It was good when I went back here the second time. Uh, the flavors of the food was good, like you said, clean, um, modern, um, first date worthy, second date worthy. Uh, all that stuff. So I'm pretty confident giving it about an eight. Yeah, I would say overall would be an eight for me as well. All right. Anything else you got to say about this one? No, it's uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was. It was a good time there. It was. Um, one of the things I would say about Black-Eyed Children is that the interesting history, one piece, is that um, they're often considered uh, evil, but other times they're also often considered super intelligent. Um, and one of the things about super intelligent kids or, you know, modern day geniuses, if you will, uh, this would include the likes of Mozart, Picasso, Bobby Fischer, is that these individuals, super high IQs, um, at a young age were all born knowing more than they should have psychologically. So at a young age, well too aware of too much. And it's interesting because of though that knowledge, Um, part of that is that they're able to use that to help transform different aspects of society. where this also goes back and forth is these particular individuals, um, you know, whether or not it's all factual or guessed, is that they all have more rapidly advanced DNA in a sense that the human DNA continues to evolve at a staggering rate, at a very quick rate. And part of that is uh, around the intelligence, but more impactful is the emotional intelligence, not just the intellectual intelligence, but the emotional intelligence. Um, So a couple pieces that come here is that uh, these individuals often considered possibly tying back to more of an alien, uh, if you will, alien DNA, tend to follow those same suits. So here they are, they're more alien, they've got these dark eyes, they're completely black, they're super smart, um, but they're also seen at night and all sorts of uh, weird things. They come out of nowhere, so they've got unique abilities, um, things that are very alien-oriented, which creates a lot of fear in what is ultimately questionable as an urban legend. Uh, But regardless of that, the belief would be that they have alien DNA. So along with these more advanced humans, they possess and have unique intelligence, powers, and emotions. So you talked about the alien portion here. Um, I guess I'll kind of go a little bit out of sync from how I have my notes here. But 
there is a uh, there's a paranormal um, researcher, I guess, um, or investigator, if you will. His name is uh, uh, David Weatherly. Uh, he's well, he's pretty well known in the whole paranormal realm or whatever. He's uh, been interviewed quite a few times on Coast to Coast AM with George Nori, uh, which used to be called Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, and. Um, he talked. He did a, a whole lot of extensive research on the black-eyed children, and um, he uh, he he didn't start his research until the early two thousands. But really, the uh, black-eyed children didn't really hit the scene until uh, back in like nineteen ninety six with Brian Bethel, who is a reporter in um, in Texas, Abilene, Texas. And apparently the story goes with Brian Bethel as being that uh, he went to uh, go make a payment on like a like his power bill or something like that. And the drop off box happens to be in there like a dollar theater or something. And uh, there's these two children with black eyes that were asking him to give them a ride. And uh, he they're like, we forgot our money at home or whatever. Can you give us a ride? And he's like, no. And when he saw the, like, their black eyes, he kind of freaked out. And then so he wrote about this experience. And then that kind of started like an internet uh, frenzy of like other people jumping on board and uh, saying like they had the same similar experiences. So when you start doing your own research for black eyed children, at least for me anyways, it just seemed like it was like a bunch of like uh, short stories written by people and this is what they call creepypasta uh, um, like it's basically like horror like horror stories written by people and and posted on the internet but david weatherly made a really uh um great um point um on uh coast to coast am talking to george nori when uh talking about the the tibetan people uh, there is something that is called, I'm pretty sure I wrote it down. It is, oh crap, oh, Tulpa, Tibetan Tulpa, T-U-L-P-A. And the Tibetans, they believe that if uh, enough people believe in something and put enough like thought process into it and enough emotion into it, it will go from being a thought into something into reality. And he talked about this when he was explaining like how the Slender Man thing kind of started to develop as well. And he said if this, if it, and you know, there's a lot of examples in the Tibetan culture and stuff that kind of explain like how this actually really does happen. Uh, George Nori has talked about it in his book, uh, The Light Worker or something like that, Worker of Light, uh, about like how if you have focus energy and stuff like that, if you get a bunch of people together have focus energy, it can change like weather patterns and stuff. Any case, um, this could be a, a certain type of uh, situation where in the Western civilization, where this is where you hear more about the black-eyed children, that uh, enough people started talking about it, thinking about it, that it's it kind of started man manifested into reality now. And now there's a lot more people who, who experience it. And there, and in his research, uh, he sees uh, he started seeing like a lot of people in authority who started to come across these uh, black-eyed children, police officers, military uh, personnel, 
uh, things like that. And um, so he was talking about how um, uh, they he started interviewing a bunch of people in the two thousands, and it just it was like reliable people. It wasn't just like these weird people you see like, like posting crap on the on the internet. And to your point, uh, to to wrap up to her, go back to where my starting point was with you, is that he said that there are some people who believe them to be demons, and which is why sometimes they have a foul order, a foul odor to them, like uh, sulfur. But they and the other point was he thinks that some of them, uh, some people believe that they're human alien hybrids, and some of the people or houses that they visit. Um, happened to be a small portion of people who've had multiple abductions. And so so there's a theory out there that these black-eyed children, if they are like alien-human hybrids, for that small population, it might be their children. You never know. You never know. And maybe that foul odor was because they were at the uh, West Main Tap House and Grill the previous day and had a burger. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So the, the uh, backwards and forth, if you will, uh, the biggest pieces are, um, you know, what is it people are really saying about them? To your point, there's an odor. Um, you know, maybe they just need a shower. Maybe they had some bad food. Maybe they're half alien. Uh, they're a hybrid. Uh, but there is something that I think is true about the rationale that if they're able to keep hidden when they want to and only come out when they want to, there's a super intelligence there. Um, but I think the emotional piece is that they tend to play on their reported victims emotionally. So yeah, yeah he, exactly. He did bring that up. He's because he, every one of these people that report them, mm -hmm. I'll say that they're basically scared shitless. Yeah. And, and, and then they disappear. And so uh, they've uh, have have you read anything that talks about like what happens when people let them into their house or into the vehicle? No. Okay. Sure, nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, like uh, like there's this one guy uh, in Texas. I think he's in Texas, uh, Texas or whatever. Uh, David Weller was talking about this on his interview with uh, George Nori, but uh, there's this guy who raised a pit bull to be a guard dog. And so, like, these kids came by, and usually, and with David Weatherly's and his research, what, he's what he says is that they usually come out right around dusk. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite dark yet, but it's not really light out anymore. It's right, at, right around sunset time. And uh, they came up to this guy's house, and they don't ever really talk, like, we, like in conversational English or anything like that. Their speech patterns are always a little bit weird. Uh, and uh, so apparently, the, like, the child said, like, it's food time. To the guy let me in it's food time and they get kind of like pushy about being let into the house or whatever and uh this guy apparently his dog his pit bull the guard dog comes running towards uh this child and when it goes out the front door right to where the child is he said it, it like what happened it was like the dog pretty much shit its pants <laughs> like it like it could not like turn around quick enough and run back in and apparently the dog has never been the same since <laughs> i mean it's a spike. <laughs> and then um, also there's the uh, there's this another story where a mom had uh, her child in the car, went into the uh, into the convenience store, comes back out, and her child let the black eyed child into the vehicle while she was in the uh, convenience store. And uh, as she was pulling out, she noticed the black eyed child in the back seat with her kid, and uh, she uh, 
basically got rid of the child and she asked her son, like, why'd you let him in? She's like, uh, he's like, well, I thought he could come home and play with me type of thing. And, uh, apparently the kid got like really sick and like some of the, um, uh, illness that he had was, uh, similar to like radiation poisoning. And then there's like another story where, um, there's an Indian reservation, um, <laughs> where they talk about, uh, these had these three, these black eyed kids on this Indian reservation. Uh, they're all their, like, uh, their animals were going, had gone missing and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on, going on there. So anything else you really want with the black eyed kids? No, I think, uh, that kind of summed it up for me is just that, uh, my understanding is if they are real, really the tie would be that they would be, uh, advanced, um, alien DNA oriented human beings with super intelligence and unique powers. Um, and to your point, you know, what scares a dog? Well, nothing that's uh, of this world. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not that dog anyway. Uh, oh, it also talk about your aliens here too. Um, a lot of the accounts, like uh, when like the cops were like, they would come in contact with these black eyed children, they turn away, turn away, and a lot of times they just disappear like you mentioned yeah. before yeah. and then there's other accounts where they are driving away with men in black dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so apparently like i guess there's some pretty freaky stories out there about the men in black as well and these uh, black eyed children tie in with the men in black which tie into the alien hybrid theory well will smith you know he had to come and save us and to do that he had to take him away exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i would say bottom line of the black eyed children i'm not sure if they're real or not at first um uh, before i came across the david weatherby interviews and stuff like that um, i would have just said it was just a hoax 100 percent, a bunch of people just writing crap on the internet um, after listening to some of his uh, deep research that he's done and some of the people that he's interviewed um, i say it's possibly plausible um, there's a lot of things that happen on this earth that we don't, uh, we can't really explain. Uh, I think it's plausible that uh, we could have alien uh, human hybrids or uh, or interdimensional beings. That's another thing that they think that there might be. And considering we just talked about um, interstellar, we talked about interdimensional type of stuff. So it's a, it, there's a plausibility that that could uh, that could be the case. Uh, but it seems like in almost every situation. Uh, the black eyed children give people the hippie jibbies, and so don't let them into your house, don't let them into your car, and stay the heck away from them. This is basically what I've gotten out of it. Right. I'm not trying to tempt fate. I don't think I believe in this particular urban legend. And if anything, hopefully uh, the religious aspect of not believing means it's not real <laughs> is going to protect me. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, if you if you got to this part here and you're watching this, let us know in the comments about what you think about black-eyed children. Yeah. And, and if you want to ever have one or be one or <laughs> see one. <laughs> All right. Mutilate one. I don't even know. <laughs> Skinwalker Ranch located Ooh. in Utah. Yeah, yes. Basically between Roosevelt, Utah and Vernal, Utah, which oddly enough, I've been to both of those places, but never been to Skinwalker Ranch or driven by it. Cause I didn't know about it at the time when I was out there. Bollard, Utah. Yes. Uh, so, um, 
if you look on the map, if you, you'll go through Roosevelt before you'll get to uh, where the uh, uh, to where the ranch is, and if you go a little bit further, you'll go to Vernal, and Vernal's pretty close to the Colorado bo- uh, border. And when I first moved out to uh, Utah, um, I went out, uh, I sold some insurance, some life insurance out there in both Roosevelt and in Vernal. Uh, so um, I kind of know the area. It's pretty desolate out there. Not a whole lot of not a whole lot of stuff. Uh, if you watch, if you ever watch the uh, documentary on Hulu or the History Channel's uh, documentary or the Secrets of Sky, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, uh, what you see out there, that's pretty much what it is. It's pretty much like fields. Fields, yeah. <laughs> so, in any case, you want to go first or? Or do you want me to? Or? Um, I went first last time. You go ahead and dive in, and then if you want me to, or if you want to take a break, you want me to interject, I'll be happy to jump right in. Okay, so we'll start off with uh, um, with Skinwalker Ranch here, uh, as far as saying that um, I first came about it when I was driving around. I used to have to drive around quite a bit, going from like uh, client to client, so I would listen to YouTube. A lot, and um, I, I had the YouTube Premium account, so sometimes they would just go from one uh, from one show to the next show, and it's on random, so I don't know what the he- what the heck I'm ever listening to. But it went to this uh, channel called <clears throat> Bedtime Stories, which actually is is kind of a cool channel. Bedtime Stories it has like a lot of weird, creepy stories that are kind of based in. Um, Tales that happen in real life. All right. Uh, which is Skinwalker Ranch is a real life thing. So, you know, or real life places. And uh, so it had, uh, at the time, it only had parts one and two of Skinwalker Ranch. And I think part three just came out, came out recently because of the new TV show. Um, but uh, it, I found it very interesting. It was uh, basically, it's a UFO hotspot, uh, paranormal hots, hotspot. Uh, and uh, there's been a lot of research done there. They say now that it's the most researched place on Earth uh, <laughs> regarding paranormal activity, and uh, there's a lot of creepy things that happen there. So um, basically, uh, 1934 to 1994, uh, Kenneth and Edith Myers mm-hmm. owned the ranch. Then 94 to 96, uh, they sold uh, 94. They sold the ranch to the Shermans. And uh, that they only stayed there for two years, and then they showed it to Robert Bigelow, who uh, is a billionaire who brought out a, a lot of research out there. He had like government contracts and stuff like that. So they think that some of the inf- some of the stuff that they found on the ranch that they might have been using or helping try to develop um, a new uh, propel a new um, new fuel to propel. Uh, aviation or aircraft, <coughs> UFOs, if you will. Um, and then they're, uh, then they sold it to uh, Brandon Fugel, uh, who is now the current owner and is currently on the uh, the Secrets of uh, Skinwalker Ranch TV show on History Channel. Um, what I find, like most of the information I know is more about the time when uh, Bigelow had the, uh, had the ranch. Um, and the reason why I know about that is because of George Knapp. Um, I was a big listener. I've been a big listener of uh, Coast to Coast AM. So I really listened to it back in college uh, when Art Bell ran the show and then uh, and George Nori ran it. And then, and then George Knapp, he was a reporter. Originally, I thought he was a scientist that went out there, but he was a reporter that was uh, allowed to come out there and um, 
and and uh, do uh, research or talk or report about all the ongoings that happen on Skinwalker Ranch. And apparently, there's a lot of things that happen out there that freak the crap out of people. <laughs> <laughs> like there's portal, like apparently, like a portal opens up and some kind of weird animal alien thing popped out of the portal and freaked people out. Uh, apparently, there's what they call hitchhikers where. Some kind of paranormal activity will latch onto a person, and so even after they leave the ranch and wherever they go to, like their house, whatever they have, they have hauntings in their house. Um, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, there's, the, I guess, one of the more famous stories there is when um, the Shermans purchased the uh, purchased the uh, the ranch. Um, there's this huge wolf, which uh, would actually fall in under the Skinwalker. Mythology, I guess that'd be. I'm not sure if it's a legend, a mythology. Um, skinwalkers are basically witches um, in the Indian lore uh, that uh, basically uh, wear like wolf skins or whatever and uh, they steal people's children or possess other people. And uh, it's a big hush hush thing. Um, so I don't. I know you're gonna probably talk about the one part of it. So I don't want to like steal your thunder. No, man, keep going, um, do your thing. But I do know there was a, a a bit of a beef, if you will, between the the Utes and the Navajo. And um, like I said, I'm not gonna steal your thunder on that one. But I will say this though: I have a couple of friends who um, are um, in Utah that are that are part Indian and stuff like that. And the one thing I have learned, because I've asked them about this, like when I first heard about Skinwalker Ranch, I'm like, hey, do you guys know anything about Skinwalker Ranch? And they're like, we don't talk about that. I'm like, you don't talk about the ranch? And they're like, no, we don't talk about Skinwalkers. I'm like, okay, but I'm asking about the Skinwalker Ranch. And they're like, we don't talk about that. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I'm like, so, like, what is it? And they're like, we don't talk about it. Like, we won't even say the word. I'm like, you won't even say Skinwalker? And they're like, no. And uh, apparently it's really pretty much uh, – a for forbidden thing to talk about okay. because it is really something like they like it like they really honestly believe and then who knows maybe it's true or, or or whatnot because like the shermans they saw this wolf-like thing they shot it and like it didn't die <laughs> like they shot it like multiple times it with like, like a huge hey, ass man. gun <laughs> and it didn't die and stuff and uh and so, yeah, so it's a, it's like a, from my understanding, it's an Indian lore. Uh, it's a witch that turn like that uh, uses like a wolf skin. So you can almost say, you can almost say it's, it's not quite the same, but I'd say it's for those who are from Western civilization, like, uh, like, you know, more like normal, like Americans or uh, from the UK or something, it'd be more like a werewolf, if you will. But, but, but more, I guess heinous as far as like they go after uh, other tribes uh, children and possession of, and, and possessing people that's that's kind of like when i you know my intro part here and i'll just let you kind of take off no I, I think it's there. interesting because i think one of the truths is um there are different indian cultures if you will and one of those cultures is the navajo indians now being a very small fraction of myself with navajo history this is fun for me if you will because in navajo culture a skinwalker is a harmful and so it's really weird trying to 
look at, okay, how would you describe this using their culture and our words? Because they don't always make perfect sense. So a skinwalker in the Navajo culture is a harmful witch who is able to either shapeshift or take on another form. So that could be a wolf. It could be something else as well, uh, but uh, very powerful, if you will. Um, and they also have the ability to sometimes possess others. But the important piece here is it's intended as harmful. It's a harmful witch. Now, why I emphasize that is because in the, most Indian cultures, especially the Navajo culture, there are also good witches. These are the ones who use peyote or whatever it may be to make the sick better um so there's good witches and there's a bad witch well are you a good witch or a bad witch what do you mean i'm not a witch at all <laughs> um, so with that the harmful witch being uh, the skinwalker um going through a little bit of indian history if you will there was a big beef with the Utes and the navajos and so legend if you will says that the navajos cursed this a portion of this property so skinwalker ranch approximately 512 acres there and you mentioned it it is it's right in utah um with that just the price that it went for is still dumbfounding to me two hundred thousand dollars because it's cursed well you know <laughs> give me the two hundred thousand dollar risk i'll take it that's a hell of an investment look at what he made on the tv show alone by investing two hundred thousand dollars that's why he's so rich uh turned around that loss as an investment huh might be a good reason to own a business <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the navajos really curse this territory and then throughout time literally there are stories after stories of um, animals where Werewolves, different beings, giant wolf-like creatures not dying, being shot, terrorizing people, taking away their kids. And it's not just the Navajos that don't want to talk about this. It is definitely the Utes. And you're absolutely right. You don't talk about these things uh, because... I don't think any Indian tribe talks about it. No, they, they don't want to talk about it because they don't want it coming at them. So they absolutely believe in that. It's one of those superstitions. If nothing else, it's at least a giant superstition where they don't pick up that penny unless it's heads up. That's, they don't talk about this at all. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting, though, because um, that's just one aspect of it. But I think ultimately that's really the Skinwalker Ranch, where it got its name, where its orientation is from, where it uh, came to fruition. Uh, but then with that, with a curse or anything else, really it was the Skinwalkers that were meant to foul this land for the Utes. Uh, but w uh, with the curse, it's also very interesting that so much has gone on there in so many other ways. So tons of UFO sightings, tons of unexplained phenomenon. But I think the other piece I'll throw in there and then I'll let you uh, continue whichever direction you want to is that back in the pre a bomb dropped on Hiroshima days, they did a lot of nuclear bomb tests in nevada and with those tests the fallout most likely particularly because of the layout of the land the winds and uh you know global warming every was blowing global warming <laughs> i don't that's not true at all uh, but because of the windfall and the way that um the radiation fallout would have happened it is very likely that a 
large concentration of radiation fallout would have happened also on this land. So whether it's a curse or not, this land has had no I think, luck. I think I think it, I think that would be part of the curse, would it not? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm a skinwalker's not doing that, but it, regardless, man. I mean, you put a curse on a land; it just doesn't have to be skinwalkers. Or maybe maybe the bad maybe the bad witches are like cursing it for all time and eternity if yeah. it's not them doing it. Maybe they were aliens, you know. We've got yeah. ah, just saying. So with that though, um, I really just want to emphasize the area of land that is often most cursed um, is much uh, like. Um, it's up uh, by the ridge, right? It's up by the ridge, and it's interesting because I was like, man, um, I just this is a little tangent. But I, I want to throw it out there. I was remember the movie Old by M Night Shyamala. I'm yeah, butchering his name. Uh, it was like a ridge. It was like a horseshoe where these yeah. people went in age. And man, I thought that movie was pretty good up until I watched this documentary. I'm like, man, no stories new again. He's stealing this <laughs> from Skinwalker Ranch. How terrible! Like it broke my heart. I'm like, man, I almost, I almost wanted to watch that movie again. Now I'm like, ah, just no, done with it. M Night, no, sorry. <laughs> Like I can't, I can't believe you used this, which is not wrong. But man, make something new once in a while. Come on, like Unbreakable was mostly new, except that it wasn't. <laughs> All right, kicking it back to you, Noah. But really, the nuclear fallout was where I was leaving. That is that uh, there was absolutely testing whether it was, uh, you know, a new aeronautical fuel. Um, or previous bomb fallout. There's nuclear particulates on that land without a doubt. So so uh, if you watch the uh, TV series Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, it's a little bit cheesy. I'm not going to lie. I think uh, I, I think they try to overplay the acting a little bit in it. Um, but uh, listening even to Brandon uh, Frugal on uh, Coast to Coast when uh, George Knapp was interviewing him, uh, he's he's really actually a pretty uh, 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 normal guy, I guess. Like he's even though he's a he's a billion, you know, like I think a billionaire or whatever. I'm not even sure if he's a billionaire. I don't or think he's actually a billionaire, but he will be someday. He's yeah, if he's not, I'm sure he will be someday <laughs> as well. Uh, but he's like pretty down to earth guy. Like he, uh, wait, wait, wait. He, he, I just got, I'm I I do apologize because I don't want you to lose your train of thought. But when I saw him drive up in his Lamborghini, just like the Dark Knights from Batman, I was like, okay, he's that guy. <laughs> so, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, he is that guy because he like, he grew up in the 80s, like uh, probably like us. I, find, man, I love Lamborghinis. <laughs> and, and he was like, he's like, yeah, he goes, in this last interview, that you, in this last video inter interview you had with me, George, you probably saw two mannequins behind me. One of the mannequins had the uh, sword and the outfit from the last uh, uh, John Wick movie, and then the other mannequin had the outfit from Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. And so he, like, collects all these, like, movie memorabilia, memorabilia uh, from like uh, from like his youth, and he's like really big into sci-fi stuff. So being and like, and if you look at his uh, the holdings account that really that Skinwalker Ranch is under <laughs> is adamantium, which is like I think the metal for Wolverine. So obviously he has like he has a big like liking to pop culture. Yes. So. Uh, being that you drove in the Lamborghini acting like uh, Bruce Wayne or whatever, <laughs> that makes total sense. <laughs> but in any case, as far as like uh, the TV series goes, 
uh, and talking about the uh, the the, the um, radiological fallout. Um, it's weird because uh, in one episode, uh, the aeronautical uh, professor guy, I think his name's Taylor or something like that, or I forget what his name is. He's from Alabama. But he, like, he goes to a certain spot uh, in uh, the second homestead area, which is by the ridge, where, yep, where all yep. the creepy stuff really happens. And he lifts up this, like, uh, cement block area, and he gets exposed to radiation. And the very next day, they go back with, like, a, like a guy with a Geiger meter and all that stuff, and it's just background uh, yeah. like background uh, normal radiation. everyday radiation yeah. Levels, yeah but yet the guy has like he had like a radiation burns. radiation burns had to go see a doctor and all that stuff it's really weird though because like this ranch and if you listen to George Knapp or anybody else who's like spent time on the ranch they talk about how the how the Skinwalker Ranch actually has like a personality or an attitude towards it and things that might happen one day will not happen again another day or it may not happen again at all. And if the basically if the ranch doesn't like you, apparently it becomes pretty vicious with you because there's like uh, former uh, military people that were guards there that will never return because like they got so freaked out from what what happened to them. And uh, and so I I they uh, they talk about beings or. I, I guess beings is the best, I guess, best word for it. Um, they, they come out of portals. So if you're watching the second season of that TV series, they just finally found like some rock drawings where they brought in some guy who reads like picture graphs on the rocks and stuff. And he says, Oh yeah, this is talking about snakes here. This is what these creepy lines are snakes. And they, uh, they're, they are put here by the, uh, the Indians who drew them here, uh, to protect, against these portals and uh and it's funny because like before then with bigelow and his crew uh there was mentions of like portals opening up and people uh, or these i would say people but beings or animals or creatures coming in and out of those portals yeah and i think it's interesting there are certain tie-ins here when you look at portals or wormholes maybe possibly wormholes uh that we're talking about you know everyone just assumes that I think most people do actually assume a wormhole is fictional, whereas I absolutely 100% wholeheartedly believe in wormholes. I actually think that Elon Musk has shot a rocket through one, SpaceX, the rocket that disappeared that nobody even talks about anymore. But uh, with is that, that the one with the car on top? No, that one, they know exactly where it went, and the car is now circling <laughs> Earth. And you know he drove that car, right? He made sure he drove it before he shot it up into our atmosphere and it is orbiting <laughs> Earth. It's awesome. I love it. Like, way to go. You know why? He, 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 yeah so it's just it's crazy because he did it all because of that book <laughs> i agree with you i think wormhole wormholes do exist so back on topic <laughs> yeah no it's just um man yeah so with that Good job, Elon Musk. I sincerely mean that. But with wormholes, they're real. Um, and you see a trend, and it's interesting because I think with uh, science, or as some might call science, 
fiction. I think this is actually science fact. Wormholes can and do exist. Um, you see the potential not just in space, in movies like Interstellar, in the future, but also in present uh, with situations like, is it the men in black taking away the black-eyed children? Is it that there are beings coming and going from Earth or not at Skinwalker Ranch? And um, Would you say, well, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but uh, would you say like wormholes could be uh, a gateway for um, dimension to dimension? Absolutely. And the tricky part is, is that depending on which dimension you're in, as you learn a little bit, if you pay any attention in interstellar, different dimensions have different timelines, different gravities equal different time accelerators or uh, anti-accelerators. So you may age more quickly or less quickly. Um, and it, it makes it all that much more astounding. But yes, um, it is one of those things. And uh, for me, it's fascinating. Uh, we also see this same trend uh, everywhere, like in 12 Monkeys. So again, 12 Monkeys, we know they're using time travel, most likely some form of wormhole. Uh, and man, like think about movies like Tenet that are absolutely using this same thing. We time and time again find these ties and it's just interesting because it's uh, it, it's too good not to be true. It is truth. Okay, so he, here's something I didn't really realize, but we've almost kind of been on the same topic for three shows. Oh, it's a lot. 12, 12 Monkeys, Interstellar, and now this okay but i think it's even bigger than that uh because when you start to think about the uh evolution of change um i think things like james bond actually cover that in many ways too because you've got these things that nobody wants to admit might exist uh nanoviruses this is real it is out there it is possible to tailor a virus it is. um and uh yeah it is pretty interesting um because that leads to 12 monkeys where there's a virus but also time travel and wormholes leads to interstellar where there's actually wormholes and time differences. And again, don't always think about time travel as you're just going back a day or, or not. Um, you might be using it, a gate to fast forward or reverse your own age, slowing or speeding to change that timeline when you return. So here's a, here's a kind of interesting thing too. If, if one were to think about it too, you have like stuff like Monte Picchu, uh, like those 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 monolithic rocks over there, uh, it's been well known from the ancient civilizations that there are stargates. Yes, and, and actually, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's literally where I was going to go next with Stargate. <laughs> because Stargates, they are basically wormholes going to either like other worlds or other parts of the universe or maybe other dimensions. And really, that's if that's it. And this is what they're kind of thinking, you know, like that there are like there are apparently wormholes or stargates or portals any one of those things could be almost exactly the same thing just using their different terminology where it go takes you from one place to another place and uh you know if, if you really look back at like uh the sumerians and like the stories of gilgamesh and all that stuff back then with those clay tablets they talk about like how there were gates available to you know get to the gods who were basically the anunnaki who were 
advanced uh, advanced humanoids. Yeah, Thoth and the Emerald Tablets, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thoth and the Emerald Tablets. Uh, if we're going way back to some of our episodes, yeah, we could go all the way back I'm to Thoth. I'm telling you, this isn't a new subject for us. <laughs> Okay, so what are you going to say about Stargates? <laughs> no, uh, just uh, it's a it's an interesting aspect too because we've talked about Stargate before in shows, and um, Kurt Russell did a phenomenal job as an actor in that movie. By the way, I absolutely want to make sure that um, I mention that because he, to me, the emotional intelligence he ex- exposed of and delivered in that movie is what made that movie um then you have james spader uh, as a scientist did another amazing job like and then you think like man this guy is the star of the blacklist with no hair just a little bit later it's like they're not the same guy but it is um but with stargate it is just that it is another thing we've talked about it before it is a way to open a wormhole but just uh, a wormhole with choices so it's a door that doesn't just go to one one destination from here to here taking out the 10 years it would travel it is a door where you get to dial in which of the 12 doors you want to go to and then dial it in and transcend well i think right now maybe because we don't have the understanding right now it's just uh, pure randomness and really the only beings are or entities are going through the wormholes are the ones on the other side who know about them or uh, where we are just still going uh what's going on here you know, and which was kind of weird too. Like, how do you explain like the cattle mutilations? We never even talked about that. I don't know that we need to, man. Some boy just wanted to go play with his scalpel and his knife. He's like, God, not for Christmas. <laughs> no, absolutely. There have been weird, odd cattle mutilations. Uh, the most interesting part is some of the parts of the body that are mutilated, typically the face. Uh, and it's not so much a mutilation to me as it is possible radiation could be um but how do you explain that only there though big i mean there's a lot of places and especially like in southern colorado there's like a ufo hotspot in southern colorado i mean it's not a good day to be a cow because <laughs> <laughs> you know you know right where uh you remember we went to the family my family property out there in southern yeah. colorado there's a like a hot a ufo hotspot down there somewhere they actually have like a ufo like yeah, we need to go there. You wear your Roswell International. Yeah, that's the whole reason why I wore this hat. I know, I know, okay. I love it. I, okay. You wear your Roswell hat. We go down there. Um, for what he's, you guys don't know, but what he's talking about is just south. Is that like a mantra? East of Alamosa. Yeah. And uh, Anita, right? Antonita. Antonita, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a, there's a thing that's called Monte Vista is where the uh, UFO hotspot is. God, dude, that was still the best wedding I've ever been to in my life, your mom's and Dennis's. <laughs> like, it's just fun. It's it was a good time. It was a kick. Yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I, I think um, for those of you guys who have been watching us, I mean, there, we could probably go on for quite a while talking about Skinwalker Ranch and stuff like that. But if you have any comments about Skinwalker Ranch or the Black Eyed Kids, uh, please drop them in the comments down below, and we would love to uh, com- uh, carry on the conversation with you guys. Is there anything else you want to say about skinwalker ranch before we wrap it up no i think we're good to wrap up skinwalker ranch i thought it was a fun topic i actually watched more tv because of this <laughs> than i have in the last three months combined i'm pretty sure um and uh just one thing i do want to revisit the scotch so for me as it has sat here and as it has warmed up if you will um on the nose is definitely i'm actually getting this sense that this company brucolati is a uh, 
true to what they're saying, they're intentionally using everything from Isla and they're making a quality product. And now I am definitely getting some of that citrus, particularly orange for me on the nose, on the palate. Um, it's not as soft of as a start, but it's definitely super creamy. It's still finishing big. The 50% alcohol uh, is there. It's not heavy, uh, but it's no, a great choice with this scotch. I've actually wanted to try it a long time. I know these bad boys aren't cheap. Uh, 90? No, it was like roughly $70. Okay, that's not bad. Still not cheap. Uh, but no. I mean, money's no object on Scotch hours. So. <laughs> um, uh, for me, it's absolutely a win if you want to. Until, until we talk to our accountant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, though, if you're going to like poker night, this is a great Scotch to bring if you don't know which Scotch to bring, but they just tell you bring a whiskey or a Scotch. I agree. All right, um, what's our topic for next week? All right, get ready for this. I am ready. Maybe um, not. I, I, it's going to be hard for me because it means I have to watch a lot more TV. But you got me super interested with five minutes of TV the other night. Five minutes of TV? Yes. So for me, the topic is going to be the Punisher Netflix oh. TV series. Yes, I love that show. And... Um, why it is or is not great the restaurant oh, it's fantastic dude i only saw five minutes and i was like you're like isn't that twisted and i'm like yes i have to watch this now <laughs> literally i was just like yes damn it, i'm gonna do binge watching some punisher uh my kids will be here this weekend oh it's only so. it only has two seasons so you're talking about 16 cool. episodes 16 episodes 30 minutes each another hour so you're talking about a lot of hours 16 hours i think you can come you can i'll come. make it happen man i mean if you want to watch all two seasons you can I make do. it happen but i think you can come you could come with uh basically like most of like half of one season dude i am i'm gonna i'm gonna make this happen we should you know maybe after this show after we're done wrapping up here maybe we should watch episode one together dude i am all in so i saw five minutes i'm not gonna say i don't want to be like here's your one week early spoiler alert get ready for it i want to talk so much about this show because the five minutes i saw were so amazing i was just like oh man there's the protagonist. There's the antagonist. This is so exciting. It was it was sexy. It was a sexy show. God Here, damn here's, it. Here's the <laughs> here's the worst thing possible that could happen though, is that like it came out. It was out for two years, and then Disney Plus came out with their streaming service, and then Netflix. basically told Netflix they couldn't make any more Marvel shows. Yeah. But the cool thing that they are doing though, so there is a little bit of hope, is that Marvel. Uh, in the latest, like, uh, uh, Hawkeye TV series, yeah. they brought back... Um, Jessica Jones? Not Jessica Jones. They brought back uh, Kingpin okay. from the Daredevil series. Oh, so it's in Punisher comic and, books. Yeah. And then also they uh, brought back Daredevil in spider it was in Spider-Man yep. from the Netflix series. Nice. So Kingpin's been brought back. Punish, uh, our uh, Kingpin, Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil, 
So, and there's been rumors that they'll probably bring back the same guy for the Punisher, which I think if they do, it'd be freaking awesome because Dude, he makes a great Punisher. I saw him and I was like, who is this Joker? And then five minutes later, I'm like, I need to watch this Joker. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that is the restaurant, uh, the, that is the smarter topic is going to be the Punisher. We can talk about the comic book, the movies. There have been some terrible Punisher movies, oh, yeah. also some Oops. good ones. And then also, uh, for the restaurant. We're gonna do the yak and yeti. <laughs> yak and yeti. Yak and yeti. I've never oh, been. Yak and yeti's good. I, I I've well, never been. I will tell you this. <laughs> the I, one on Hamden. Yeah. Okay. So I would. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to do Indian food, uh, I would actually recommend going to the Indian House in Parker or the Yak and Yeti on, on Hampton. Let's do the Yak and Yeti in Hampton. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go Yak okay. and Yeti in Hampton. Um, yak and Yeti in Westminster is better. I, I believe you, but we're gonna we're gonna do this just because that's the restaurant. So if you guys want to go peruse a restaurant and have your own experience, and then see how we rate it afterwards, um, and then the scotch is yeah. gonna be another Glen Farkless. I'm not gonna ruin which one. It's probably gonna be the ten or the fifteen. Uh, well. It there. might be something different. There's also another one. So uh, we're going to do no, another. No, it's not going to be that one. I know that. It's not, it's it's not, not going to be the 40. Yeah. Like, but there's, like, uh, it's there's, not a special there's edition, another like, one. There's going to be another one. So we're going to do another Glenn Farkless Scotch, um, and we're going to have a lot of fun. I am super excited about this Punisher because literally five minutes made me want to watch TV for the first time since I, I'm going to say Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, anything uh, you want to say to the people uh, other than all that? No, for those of you that watch, um, thank you. Please like, subscribe, um, give us feedback, and let us know, um, you know, what do you like? Are, are we doing a good job with sound? Are we good, doing a good job with video? Is there something we could do better to make this more enjoyable for you? Are you like, hey, cut out this, or let's talk about scotch? Give us some more feedback. Make, as it, far make as it constructive and positive, though. Give us some more constructive and positive feedback. Um, but uh, yeah, let us know what we can do better to make this show better for you guys. Like what would make it more exciting for you? And what I can tell you right now is, man, I, there's going to be, uh, it, I think the Punisher is a sexy subject and I am super excited to talk about it next week. You know, I'm excited to talk about the Punisher. I really am. I love that. I love that TV series. Five minutes is all it took to hook me. So, okay. So other than that, um, I just want to say uh, for all of you that do watch us, thank you. Uh, I do apologize once again for us not giving you a heads up notice that we were moving to Saturdays for the episodes. Uh, if, if we get a lot of pushback to where Saturdays don't work for you guys, we can look at a different day. But uh, we're going to try to give that a, a run for at least three months, see how that works. Um, but does that seem fair? Yeah, we'll give it a okay. run. Uh, we're doing that because uh, studies have shown literally that's the best time for you guys, the viewer, to get it so you can enjoy it. So, yeah, so we're, we're taking a look at that. My gut feeling says it was better having come out Thursday night, so that way you guys could go out shopping Friday and drink Friday and Saturday nights. But you know, if that's what the if that's what the stats say, then that's what they say, I guess. Apparently, so we'll we'll give those a, we'll give that that time frame a shot. Uh, as uh, Jesse said, please like, share, and subscribe our video, our podcast here. Hopefully, you enjoyed the topics. Uh, even if you don't enjoy scotches, hopefully at least you enjoy the conversations that we do with the smarter, uh, smarter challenges. That's what they're there for as well. Uh, but hopefully you enjoy all of it. Uh, and, uh, we are on YouTube. 
Rumble, if you're watching us, uh, audio-wise, we are on uh, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon uh, Music, and Audible Podcasts, and apparently people have found us on some other Audibles, uh, on other audio platforms, which I've never heard of, but uh, hey, if you guys are listening to us there, good job as well, and I still want to give a shout-out here, one last-minute shout-out here to our one viewer on Rumble. <laughs> you're you're awesome. You keep uh, you keep watching us. Keep on keeping on. Keep on all keeping right, on. All yeah. right, all right. All right. And with that, thank you, everyone. Same. Uh, well, new scotch time, new scotch hour, <laughs> and uh, life is great. Life is great. And uh, don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. Oh Cheers. yeah. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like share and subscribe also if you have not done so already please become a patreon member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month thank you and hopefully you have a wonderful evening